Well, friends, if you have a Bible, please turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, if you would please. Next week, we will begin our series leading up to Easter. Today, one more psalm. Psalm 16, I'm entitling this sermon, The Path of Life in the Pandemic. So here we find a prayer from God for praying back to God that God might meet us and transform us. Tremper Longman, Old Testament scholar, writes, when we read the Psalms with faith, and as we pray them with faith, we come away changed, not simply informed. So let's, let's pray briefly that we would be changed by this Psalm and not simply informed. Father, we ask you that you would meet us, though we are separate, though we are each in our homes, we ask you to use your word and minister to us by your spirit that we would come away changed and not simply informed. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 16, please engage with God as I read. Verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16 is a psalm of confidence. And isn't that what we need right now? Confidence. Here confidence is found on a path of life. As verse 11 puts it, you make known to me the path of life. So here is a, here's a pathway to walk. Here is a path to live out at all times and especially this time. This pandemic is hard and may get harder. This pandemic has made us isolated. We are cut off from the personal contact we are used to. We are, we are made for in-person community. We are designed for that. But we can't experience that right now. And that's hard. We're isolated. This pandemic also maybe makes us disoriented. 
Your life has suddenly and dramatically changed. Routines and plans have all been transformed and you may feel disoriented right now. Maybe you're a high school student, a middle school student, or a college student and your, your classes have been canceled. Maybe for you what seemed like a, a certain future a few weeks ago is now clouded with uncertainty. And most of all, I think this pandemic tempts us to fear. Fear about losing our job. Fear about what's happened to our savings. Fear maybe about how we're going to pay those bills. Fear about getting sick. Fears about loved ones getting sick. Maybe even fears about possibly dying. This, this pandemic confronts us with challenges and temptations on a number of levels, but this pandemic can serve us also if it points us down this path of life. This difficult time, friends, can benefit our souls if it leads us toward this path of life in Christ. So, so how can you and I experience the path of life in the midst of this pandemic. Let me offer you three ways. Three ways this path brings confidence to us right now. Here's the first. First, confidence in God's goodness. First, confidence in God's goodness. Notice verse 1. It says, preserve me or, or guard me, guard me. For in you I take refuge. Now, why can we be so confident that we'll be preserved or guarded with God as our refuge? Well, verse 2, in effect, tells us why. I say to the Lord, I say to Yahweh, the living God, you are my Lord. I have no good, no good apart from you. David is saying to God, you have been my source of every good thing. You, you have been the, fount the fountain of all goodness that I've, that I've experienced to this point in my life. And all of that past assurance of God's goodness gives him confidence to find refuge in God in the present. Because of that past assurance, he is confident in God to preserve and Protect him. You see, you look back, recognizing God's goodness, and you have confidence to look ahead. And I would say, look back especially and see God's goodness as you look back to the cross of Christ. I am reading in part through the book of Romans right now, devotionally. And so with my kids a number of nights ago, I had them read portions of Romans chapter 3, and we parked on how the Father has put forward His Son as a propitiation for our sins. That the Father put forward His one and only Son, His beloved Son, to be a wrath-bearing sacrifice to take away wrath and bring us God's favor for all who believe. And I was struck by, that's where I must look to see the goodness of God. 
That's where you must look objectively to be convinced of God's goodness. So look back to the Father not sparing his Son for you and be convinced of his goodness and his mercy and his love. And then God's goodness here, did you notice, includes God's people in verse 3. David transitions in verse 3, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight, all my desire. He's speaking of those in relationship with God, God's holy ones, you might say. They, they are the excellent or majestic ones, the majestic ones to David. They are an expression of God's goodness. This crisis has reminded me, and probably you as well, of the preciousness of the gift of Christian community and the preciousness of the gift of Christian fellowship. What a, what a precious gift we have in one another that, that a few weeks ago we may have been tempted to take for granted. But now we, we won't gather for fellowship in our home groups and we won't gather for worship on Sundays quite the same for a while. We're going to savor those times when we see each other face to face. But as Joshua reminded us, don't, don't wait for those times. Don't waste this moment to delight in God's people. Home groups are meeting virtually. That's a context where you can be cared for and care for others. Others need you as well. So let's connect together. Let's stay connected to care for each other because God's people here are part of God's goodness. You and I need that right now. And then you might say the payoff, the payoff to God's goodness, the contrast is found in verse 4. Verse 4, the sorrows, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. It's a picture of devotion to false gods, to the idols without in that day, and for us, the idols within, which leads to, do you notice, sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. I mean, this is why there is panic buying going on right now. It's why you can't find toilet paper anywhere right now, because we live out of our worship. We are constantly worshiping. We live out of the highest devotion of our hearts, where our trust and hope are located. See, trials are like, they're like an airport metal detector, or today it's often the, uh, the body scanner, where you turn and you put your hands up and you get scanned that way, and that, that scanner sort of reveals what might be concealed Trials function that way for us. They reveal what is concealed. Trials can expose our worship, our highest devotion. So it's worth asking right now, what, what is being revealed for me in this time? I'm not minimizing the difficulty. I'm just wanting to benefit from it with you. What what or who am I living for? That's a good question to ask. And then seize this as an opportunity to
to remind yourself of God's goodness and reorient your heart. Look back, behold the cross of Christ and re reorient your heart toward him. Then we will not panic in the pandemic. So there's confidence in God's goodness on this path of life first. Secondly, secondly there is confidence in God's provision. Confidence in God's provision. Notice verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You, you hold my lot secure. Now, now, having the Lord as your, quote, chosen portion and your cup, that's in effect saying, you are my, my food and drink. You are my provision. You are my sustenance. You are what I feast on. You are where I satisfy my soul with. And this is vital for us to see, isn't it? I mean, very possibly our economy is heading into a recession. And if that happens, no one knows for how long or how bad it will be. We know the employment of some of our members is already being affected. But there is confidence for us here as we pray, You, God, are my portion, my cup. My, my food and drink, my, my provision. For with God as your portion, you can pray confidently and contentedly. Verse 6. The lines, he goes on to say, the lines or boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, David is echoing the time when God brought Israel into the promised land, and so boundary lines and inheritance echo how families received a portion of that promised land. It was their inheritance, it is said. So David is using that imagery now to say, God, where you draw the boundaries in my life, I will be content with that. I will trust you because you are my provision. You're my portion and my cup. See, maybe, maybe he has the provision for the priests especially in mind. When Israel came into that promised land, the, the priests did not receive a, a portion of the land. For the priests, the portion they were assigned was God himself. And that's what it's like for us. He is our portion and our cup. You might think of the scene in Luke chapter 11 with Mary and her sister Martha, where Martha is scurrying around. She is frantically trying to serve the gang of hungry disciples that has just come over. And to her dismay, Martha looks over and sees her sister Mary simply sitting at Jesus' feet, soaking in his words. And she thinks, Mary, doesn't Mary realize how much work needs to get done right now? And so Martha asked Jesus to rebuke Mary for not helping out. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, one thing. Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Friends, that's Psalm 16 in action. If you have Jesus, you have the good portion. 
like Mary. And then you can pray. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places because I have you. Come what may, Lord, you are enough for me. Here's an example. You might know the name Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary to India in the late 19th century, early 20th century. She was heavily involved in rescuing temple girls who were basically used as child prostitutes. For the last 15 years or so of Amy Carmichael's life, she was basically an invalid. She'd gotten injured in a fall, and she was essentially bedridden for about 15 years. She prayed for healing. Others prayed for healing. Healing did not come. The lines were not drawn for her that way. But then, after those many years, she wrote the following prayer in a private note. Quote, not relief from pain. Not relief from the weariness that follows. Not anything of that sort at all is my chief need. You, O oh Lord God, are my need. That, that's our confidence as we pray Psalm 16. Not, not clarity for my future not stability for my finances, not even health for my body is my chief need. As good as those are, as important as those are, they are my chief need. You, O oh Lord God, are my need, my portion, and my cup. So ask yourself, where are the lines God has drawn for me right now? Or maybe even better, where does his provision feel uncertain for you right now? Look, I'm not, I'm not minimizing that challenge, but you can be confident in the midst of that uncertainty. It's the confidence that a child feels just when mom or dad is around. If mom or dad is near, that child is not concerned about where their next meal is coming from. They're not anxious about whether mom or dad remembers their nutritional needs. They don't fret over legitimate needs being met. Why? Well, because they have their chief need. Mom or dad is near. That's what it's like for us. With Jesus as your portion. With the living God as your provision. Your chief need is met, and you can pray, friends, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. There's confidence here for us in God's goodness. There is confidence here in God's provision. And one third step on the path of life, confidence in God's deliverance. Confidence in God's deliverance. In verse 7, Verse 7, David is then moved to praise. Notice verse 7. He says, I bless or I praise the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. God instructs our inner person by his word and his spirit. And that instruction produces security in verse 8. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, 
I shall not be shaken. Having, having God at your right hand means, means having someone who stands by your side, like in a courtroom to defend you or, or on a battlefield to assist you. But this is the God of the universe defending you and the God of the universe assisting you. That's why setting the Lord always before you, having your eyes fixed most upon him means you will not be shaken. COVID-19 can make you feel shaken. Global pandemics can make you feel shaken. Setting the Lord always before you means you will not be shaken. I don't know about you, in this time, the temptation for me is just to constantly check the news. As if something had changed in the 10 minutes since I last looked at the news. So constantly checking social media, constantly checking what does this website say or that website say. And can you relate to that? I hope you can, or I trust you can. Now, we should be informed by the news, and social media can connect us. But I'm setting those things before me, oftentimes, more than the Lord. And so I, I can find myself feeling shaken. This is a good test for us. When you feel shaken at your core, ask yourself, what, what am I most setting before me right now? Where am I most fixing my gaze? You see, as you set the Lord before you, when he has your primary attention, you will not be shaken. Let me give you two practical ideas. Two practical ideas for setting the Lord before you in this time. First, study the character of God and study the purpose of God in trials. Study the character of God and study the purpose of God in trials. When you feel shaken, study what God is really like. Study his attributes. Study the splendor of his nature. This is an opportunity for God to grow bigger to us in our hearts and minds. And secondly, study his purpose in trials and suffering. As I am reading through Romans, as I mentioned, I was in Romans 5 a couple of days ago and just spent the morning meditating in Romans 5 about God's purpose in suffering, that he does not waste our suffering. He does not waste our trials. He accomplishes good things through the hard times. It will encourage you. It did me. Study, friends, who God is. Study his purposes in suffering. Romans 5, James 1. Set the Lord before you. And then notice, notice where this confidence takes us. Notice the deliverance he mentions. Verse 9. Therefore, in light of that, therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. You might ask, why are you so glad? Why so secure? So secure. Notice verse 10. For, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. Sheol refers to the place of the dead. Sometimes, oftentimes in the Old Testament, it's 
It's an Old Testament reference to hell. But here it's, it's more broad. It's a reference to the place of the dead from which David is confident that God will deliver him. David is confident that death will not get the last word in his life. But David, David here wrote better than he knew. Fast forward a number of centuries when David's greater son comes on the scene, the long-promised Messiah, Jesus, who lives a perfect life for us, who then gives his life as a ransom, a payment for our sins, and then to show that his payment was more than sufficient for everyone, for everyone who believes, he rose bodily, physically from the dead. And on a day called Pentecost, the ascended Jesus poured out his spirit on his people. Now, on that day, in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter stands up and he quotes this part of Psalm 16. As part of his Pentecost sermon, he quotes Psalm 16 and says, it's looking to Jesus and his resurrection. Peter reads Psalm 16 with Jesus-centered lenses and so should we. He sees these words as pointing to Jesus' victory over the grave for us. In other words, friends, we have even more reason to be confident than David did. And we will face trials in this life. We're facing one right now. And yet our great and final trial, death, has been dealt with in full by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is, is raised, you can be certain that for the believer, death will not be a, a doorway to judgment. It is the doorway to life. And that is a confidence you need right now. Some years ago, I, I took my boys to Boomers, the kind of amusement park place. And we decided to scale the climbing wall. My boys were younger then. One son took the easier part of the climbing wall. One son took the medium difficulty part of the climbing wall. I was left with the expert part of the climbing wall, which is not good. I'm not a climber. I have a degree of uh, fear of heights or <laughs> preference against heights. So this is not good. Nonetheless, begin to climb. I'm about about 10 feet off the ground, and I can't grip these tiny handles. I can't get my feet to stay on these tiny things, and now I'm falling. I'm 10 feet up. I'm a middle-aged man. I'm falling. This is not good. I lose my grip. I begin to fall, and then I have this pleasant experience of being caught and gently lowered to the ground because I was wearing this harness tethered to a belay machine, and that machine wasn't going to let me fall. And that's what life in Christ is like. Because Jesus is raised. Our final trial, death, will be no trial at all. For the Christian, you, you won't fall. You will be tenderly, gently, ushered into life. And you are, you are right now wearing that resurrection harness. You are joined to Jesus Christ and his victory over your greatest 
trial, and that confidence can produce for you joy right now. Look at verse 11 with me. I love verse 11. You make, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now we're pointed, in effect, to that ultimate promised land where there are pleasures forevermore in God's immediate presence, but a fullness of joy we can enjoy now in God's presence as He fills us with His Spirit and we enjoy sweet communion with God. Yes, friends, there can be joy even in the midst of the pandemic. There is pain right now. There is uncertainty. There is disorientation, even fear. But there can be joy we experience. We can be like the Apostle Paul, even who said he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. The, the pathway of life leads to joy now and forever. This, this is the hope, by the way, that you offer to others right now. As A.W. Tozer put it, a frightened world needs a fearless church. The resurrection of Jesus Christ can make us fearless like that. We should obey the governor's orders to stay at home without a doubt, but maybe as you walk around your neighborhood at safe social distances, you'll get a chance to interact with neighbors as I have had, and you might get a chance to share or show the love of Christ and the resurrection hope you have in Him. Or maybe you're watching this message and you are aware that you, you do not have this confidence of this great and ultimate deliverance in Christ. Friend, you can in Jesus. Of, of all the world's religions and all the world's religious leaders, only one claims an empty tomb. Only one has conquered the grave. Only one said he was giving his life, his own life, as a ransom for our sins and then rose from the grave to prove that he did. And only one says to you right now, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all who are weighed down by your sin. And he says, I will give you rest, rest for your soul. So come to him, I urge you. Trust in his life, death, and resurrection to take away your sins and bring you to God. And you will. This, this is the path of life we need right now. The path Jesus has made possible. Let me ask you as we close, where do you most need this confidence today? Friend, where, where are you lacking this confidence right now? Is it in God's goodness? Maybe you need to remind yourself that you have no good apart from Him. Maybe that you look back and see the cross of Jesus Christ and convince yourself on a daily basis of His goodness to you. Maybe it's confidence in God's provision for you. Maybe it's in reminding yourself that he, he is your portion and your cup. That He is enough for you. 
so that you can say the boundary lines that God has drawn, I'm content with them. They're in pleasant places because I have Him. Or maybe it's in God's deliverance that you need fresh confidence. To, to set the Lord always before you, remembering the grave has been conquered. And even now, find fullness of joy in His presence. Where is that confidence for you? You find it. You find it on the path of life in the midst of this pandemic. So let's pray. Father, I ask you that you would meet me and you'd meet all of us in this time. You'd help us travel this path of life such that we would find our hearts taking refuge in you over and over because of your goodness, because of your provision, and ultimately because of your deliverance in Jesus. We thank you in Jesus.